Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Back in on 610 Sports Radio, live and local on Saturday. This is Out of Bounds. Dusty Likens with Nick Price. Coming up at 4.30, Cody Tapp, pregame show. Royals, 6.15, they play the Angels. Mike Trout's in town. Albert Pujols in town. But it's draft weekend. Breaking news of Tyreek Hill broke out during the week. Clark Hunt was with the media today. And Nick Price, take the floor. Yeah, so Clark uh, spoke with the media today a little bit about the draft picks, but it was mostly involving the Tyreek Hill situation and everything. And he kind of went into a little bit of detail about how they're going to handle it going forward and confirmed what Brett Veach was saying yesterday about how he's basically no longer with the team. So I do want to address the Tyreek Hill situation. You've already heard from Brett and Andy on it. And I would just reiterate uh, that we were deeply disturbed by the audio, which we heard on Friday, sorry, which we heard on Thursday. And that's why he's uh, not with the organization at this point, and we would expect that will be the case until we have a chance to uh, work our way through whatever information we're able to get. Is this a permanent decision? <clears throat> no, I, I'm going to leave it where Brett left it uh, when he spoke to you guys uh, Thursday evening. He, he's not with the organization for the foreseeable future. So basically what Clark Hunt is saying here is that They haven't made it official yet, but you can read between the lines and see that Tyreek Hill suspended from all team activities, not really a part of this team moving forward. And I mean, it was even more evident last night after they basically drafted his replacement, a very similar guy. Yeah. And I mean, as vague as that might have sound from Clark, he has to be vague. Right. Ongoing investigation. It's also just like they would have cut him already if it was an appropriate time to do so, but they want to give. You know, they want to give these draft picks their time in the spotlight. They don't want to overshadow anything that's going on with the NFL draft. I mean, it all makes sense from Clark's perspective here. Yeah, and I mean, he basically subtexts everything that you need to know. Like, the audio they heard was horrendous. The stuff that they're going through is ongoing, and that he's not a part of the team. That should tell you everything that you need to know about the situation. I mean, that basically tells you right there that Tyreek Hill is going to be released. He's not going to be a part of this team. And then the common narrative around that is, somebody's going to sign Tyreek Hill and try to get him on their team once all this smoke clears. Right. Something similar to what happened with Kareem Hunt after the Chiefs cut him when that video surfaced on TMZ and then the Browns went out and picked him up. I mean, that's something that I, you know, some Chiefs fans are coming out and saying like, oh, well, maybe they should try to get something for him. I think I saw some on the text line. No, like this is a time to sever ties with Tyreek Hill for good. And Clark went into a little bit more detail today talking about how they really have to have a focus on drafting good character guys, but it's not like their approach has changed very much. 
that's an issue I, every NFL franchise focuses on, and the, and the draft is obviously uh, a time of year where you're adding a bunch of new players to, to the team, and that's part of the evaluation process, certainly here uh, as well as across the league. Mark, have you changed at all how you vet players, both in the draft and players you might bring in through trade or free agency? Um, I, I don't know that we've changed how we do the process. Uh, certainly when you have a change in your general manager, that GM brings his philosophy, his staff brings their, their own perspective on, on how they do that. Yeah, so, I mean, it makes sense that they're not really going to change things because going back to what we were talking about earlier, I mean, everybody had believed that Tyreek Hill was a different man and that he had changed his ways and everything, and nobody really saw it coming. I mean, maybe you could have looked at his past and said, hey, like, maybe that's a red flag, but they gave the guy a chance, and there's a lot of guys that have troubled past. Think about Frank Clark they just brought in that – deserve a second chance and they're going to give it to them. But as far as evaluating players, I mean, it's not really something that should change your mentality, but maybe just be a little bit more aware of what you're getting yourself into when you draft a guy who has a past like a Tyree kill. Yeah. And it's one of those things where fool me once, shame on me, fool me twice or fool me once, shame on you. I'm doing the George Bush thing on purpose. But when you bring up like a Tyreek Hill thing or you bring up a Frank Clark situation, you bring up a franchise that is a billion-dollar franchise, an NFL franchise, and Clark Hunt, like this is something that he has to own. Or he says that the general manager goes through these things when they evaluate things. So if you're going to own up to Patrick Mahomes being your draft pick, somebody's got to own up to when they drafted Tyreek Hill and when they drafted these guys that have these character issues. Pretty obvious that the reason Kareem Hunt was released so quickly is because the video was out and the fact that he lied to the franchise. It's no secret. That's why Kareem Hunt's gone. And what happened to Kareem Hunt? He immediately got signed by John Dorsey. Maybe not immediately. But he was then signed by John Dorsey. A.K.A. a second chance. Now you have Tyreek Hill, who from what I can kind of piece together in Clark Hunt's audio... And from what uh, Brett Veach said the other night, disturbed by the audio like everyone else, not part of the team right now, and we'll continue to make moves as we continue to get more information in the foreseeable future. Well, and that's interesting, too, that you talked about Kareem Hunt getting a second chance. Tyreek Hill basically already did get his second Correct. chance with Kansas City after his incident in college. So, I mean, this got to be the end of the line. It's definitely seeming like it, at least from the Chiefs' perspective, but... I would be hard-pressed to think that any team would be willing to take a flyer on Tyree Kill changing his ways, and I don't even know if the league will allow it. True. I mean, and again, I don't know where you rank women and children ahead of each other. I think they're both clearly in the same category. Yeah. You can't keep your hands to yourself. A three-year-old fears you. The organization has pretty much just banned you from everything. They just haven't made a declarative statement on what your future is, but we know what's coming. Well, and the people that are a little bit too focused on what this means for the Chiefs, I mean, at the end of the day, all that matters is what happens for the young child and making this situation as right as possible. But there's a lot of people that are worried about how this affects the Chiefs on the football field, saying that, you know, like in any other profession, does your personal life get you fired? No, but in other professions, you are not a superstar and a spokesperson for the city and an organization that is so important to the city and the community and everything. So... You have, you're held to a higher standard, and this obviously does not meet that standard. No. Especially when you were on the verge of making some serious, serious coin. When you were about to be one of the top-paid wide receivers in the NFL. In the history of the NFL. In the history of the NFL. And all of a sudden, that comes crashing down 
because of your attitude, your judgment, and your personnel. And that's something that does kind of have to fall back on who evaluates these people and what the morale is of this team. And I get it. They haven't made a decision yet. I would assume it's because of what's going on this weekend with the NFL draft, kids getting their big day and getting signed by an NFL franchise, trying to make that next step in their life. And if that's the case, I am interested to know what the progress is or what the steps are when somebody like Tyreek Hill is drafted by a team. Because like I said earlier in the first segment of the show, when we did the draft and Tyreek Hill got drafted, the phone lines lit up. I had no idea. I'm honestly, I had no idea who Tyreek Hill was until they drafted him. And as soon as he was drafted and the outrage that came from the phone lines was insane. Now, am I guilty to think that I thought Tyreek Hill had changed his ways and was trying to be a better person? Absolutely, because he had no hiccups. I think we all were. He had nothing that he had done that had pointed into a direction where you said, oh, man, Tyreek Hill's this way or Tyreek Hill's that way. Tyreek Hill had walked a pretty straight line. He had stayed out of trouble. And now, all of a sudden, here we are again. And you still get people like this, which I don't disagree with people's opinion. That's what I was hired to do, was give opinions. You may yeah. not agree with them. You may not think they make sense. I'm sorry for that. But from the text line, from the 816, if I'm the Chiefs, I sit on Hill until the NFL decides a punishment. If he's not banned, then I try to trade him or at least keep him on the practice squad so no one else can have him if the, if the NFL allows him to play. This is not a football problem, though. This is a character problem. And just, I mean, the only way that you go about this is you got to cut him. You got to cut ties. And... You know, if he ends up signing with the Patriots or whatever, then so be it. But you can't sit there and, I mean, if by doing nothing, you're not maybe condoning this kind of action, but you're definitely not disciplining it and saying that it's wrong. Incorrect. You're saying that you're trying to capitalize off of a terrible situation where the focus here should be reprimanding him for his actions. And that's why, like, this text makes sense either. Like, I totally agree with this from, this, from the 773. No, he had no hiccups that were made public. Totally agree with that. Yeah. When you're in that situation and you're a high-up athlete or a high-up person in the city of a, of a sports town or something that you do, yeah, there's probably going to be some stuff that gets swept under the rug. That's why the show Ray Donovan makes a lot of sense on Showtime. There are things that happen that people don't hear about because they weren't made public. I totally agree with that. But I don't know because we haven't got that information yet of what has happened with Roger Goodell, what he's listened to, or what will happen. But something is going to happen. He's not going to be, a, I can't say that 100%, but I'm 90% sure he's not going to be part of this Chiefs team. I don't know if there is a trade value for him. I just know that the Chiefs need to do what is right, release him, and let him go. I don't know what value you can get for Tyreek Hill. I know that the speed number's there. I know that the catch number's, I know the stats are there to back up his production in the years past. But what the main thing that's there that backs him up is the fact that he's a violent individual. He's done this now a few times, twice that we know that have been made public. The case is now reopened. Charges could and might be charged against Tyreek Hill. And the audio that is out of him and his fiance is absolutely absurd and atrocious. So with that, I don't see a future for Tyreek Hill anywhere near in the NFL. Now, maybe he will. Maybe he'll get another chance from another team that doesn't have the ties to him like the Chiefs do. If that's the case, Good riddance. I don't care. Do your thing. That's on that team. That's on their morale. And that's on their type of stuff.
That's what they want to do. Yeah, and I just want to reiterate, too, that this is not a football decision. This is a people decision. This is a character decision. And if you cut Kareem Hunt earlier this year immediately because you found out that he lied, I mean, look at the Tyreek Hill situation. Hours before this audio recording came out, he released a statement saying, I'm totally innocent, all this stuff. I mean, that read between the lines there, that's dishonesty right there. So if you want to be consistent with this, then there's only one way that this can go. I get it. I mean, you've got some people that think you should hold on to him and trade him. You've got some people that want him cut yesterday. I totally get that. Tyreek Hill discussion, we put that on hold. Coming up, it's the draft. We've got Therese Paler at 130. But next, what it means for the AFC West and where everybody decided to go and what that means for the Chiefs, but also what that means for the Raiders, the Broncos, and the Chargers. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Pretty funny tweet from Pro Football Talk, at Pro Football Talk on Twitter. Brett Veach, Thursday, quote, we are deeply disturbed. Organizational statement Friday, quote, we are deeply disturbed. Clark Hunt Saturday, quote, we are deeply disturbed. At what point does it become a team's 2019 t-shirt slogan? Last year's t-shirt slogan was day-to-day. <laughs> yeah. The Chiefs last year took the league by storm with Patrick Mahomes. As he threw for 50 touchdowns, 5,000 yards, was the MVP. It's on the cover of Madden. We'll get to that a little bit later as well. Um, Therese Paler coming up in just about 14 minutes here on 610 Sports Radio. This is Up at Adam with Dusty Likens and Nick Price coming up after us. Overtime with Jillian Carroll, Chris Unicero, and Julio Sanchez. But what's funny is, and by the way, we will have a segment later on that if you want to call in, 913-576-7610, what you disliked with Likens, or what you thought where the price was wrong. I feel like this guy should definitely call in or this person from the 314. Joe Flacco was having a pretty good year last last year and lost his job because he was injured. Why keep it, quote, live and local, end quote, if you're going to spew misinformed garbage like a national show? Feel free to call in and let me know that. Yeah. I'd love to talk to you. That's why we got that segment. Yeah, I got pretty thick skin. More ways than one, you can say that. Another good one here is the best thing the Chiefs fans can hope for is that he's tied up in court or hopefully jail, but until that process happens, they should keep him on hold. That would punish him more than hope for playing for another team in the future. We're way ahead of what can happen to Tyreek Hill legally, so we'll keep that on the back burner because obviously there's still an ongoing investigation. But the AFC West, that is the division that the Chiefs play in. That is a division that has been pretty much a very popular division when it comes to the NFL draft. Obviously, Oakland Raiders had three picks in the first round. The Los Angeles Chargers... Their offense is pretty much set. So when you look at the narrative of what everybody did, they basically did what the Chiefs, or what they do to try to stop what the Chiefs can put out. You look at Denver. They've already got what some would say is a pretty decent defense. Now, I don't know what's going to happen with Chris Harris. I would assume that he wants out. Denver will maybe make that happen. Maybe not. That just seems like an awkward situation. But Denver drafts the tight end from... Iowa, Noah Font, solid dude. They had two tight ends that got drafted, both in the first round. One to Detroit, one to the Denver Broncos, and now they also draft Drew Locke, and they draft a guard from K-State and Dalton Reisner, local kid. So they've built a tight end quarterback and, a, and an offensive lineman around 
their future. Which is what they needed, too. And they went defensive heavy with their head coaching hire with Vic Fangio. Yeah, where everybody. So it makes sense. Where everybody know? else zigged, they zagged. Right. So they're worried about Pat Mahomes, but they've also got to have some sort of offense to show for it. They also went out and signed Joe Flacco, who could or could not play this entire next year. Some people on the text line would disagree that he will get his job taken by Drew Locke, who is heavily the most overrated quarterback in the entire NFL draft this year. I will, I'm friends with the text line. I don't have any anger with the text line. Huh. You have an opinion just like I have an opinion. Do your thing. 69306. That's what it's there for. Protein LC with a purpose text line. So Denver kind of does that. Then they also draft Draymond Jones, the D tackle out of Ohio State. You move on to the Chargers. They draft defense, defense, offensive lineman. They go Nasir Adderley, Jerry Tillery, and Trey Pipkins. Pipkins, the offensive tackle from Sioux Falls. Nasir, obviously, the cornerback from Delaware that a lot of people like. Mm hmm. Because now their secondary is pretty legit. And then they add a D tackle that can maybe add pressure or cause double teams to get maybe quicker to Mahomes. Because obviously you've got to win your division first or at least be decent in your division to keep going. Even though the Chargers beat the Chiefs last year at home on a Thursday night, short week, whatever you want to call it. And then you look at what the Raiders did. Which it's pretty obvious. But John Gruden is pretty confident in Derek Carr and what Antonio Brown can do. They lose Marshawn Lynch. They go get a Marshawn Lynch replacement in Josh Jacobs, the running back from Alabama, which a ton of mock draft people had, uh, the Oakland Raiders taking Josh Jacobs. They also got the kid from Clemson, Farrell, the D-end, which was a shock to a bunch of people. Yeah. That was what kind of started the NFL draft. Everyone kind of was like, oh, okay, we didn't see this coming. But they went D-end, running back, Jonathan Abram, the safety for Mississippi State. And then in the second round, they took Trevon Mullen, the cornerback from Clemson. As John Gruden said, when Mike Mayock watched the national championship game of Clemson versus Alabama, he really liked what he saw. Apparently and so. Clearly he did because he took Alabama and Clemson heavy draft kids. Three out of the four picks. Exactly. And when you look at what this division has done, you look at what the Chiefs do. They go draft what seems to be a replacement to what Tyreek Hill was. Not the same replacement, but a, something similar. Similar player. Right. Absolutely. They went and signed Tyron Matthew. They went and signed Brashad Breeland. They went and drafted a D-tackle to go along with what is now that heavy rotation of a defensive line. Oh, they go sign Frank Clark, by the way, as well. And Somebody Alex Okafor, and they traded for Emmanuel Ogba. Yeah, they're stacking up. They don't want to have to play against teams where the score will be 48 to 52. They want to play more games of where it's 31 to 14, where it's comfortable, where you can go out there and just shred them in the first half, sit back and wait. That's why I ask if you think 45 touchdowns for Patrick Mahomes over under, text line screams under, you say over. Text line's argument of why it would be under is hopefully the defense is better this year and you don't need to throw that many touchdowns. Right. My argument to that would be like, who's going to say that we can control Patrick Mahomes? What's been Andy Reid's biggest flaw? He doesn't put his foot down on the pedal when he needs to. If you're going to beat some teams 51-7, to do it. Make a statement. You're the odds-on favorite to go to the Super Bowl and represent the AFC, AFC this year. Your window is closing with Patrick Mahomes. Do whatever it takes to get there, whether it be playing teams in blowout fashion, letting the kid do whatever he wants, because eventually he's going to make $200-plus million as your quarterback, 
and money's going to get even more tight. Yeah, and I think that we saw it with what the Chiefs did this year of getting a lot of depth on the defensive line and everything. When you're playing like the Kansas City Chiefs do with Pat Mahomes, you're rarely ever going to win the possession battle. Now, last year was a lot because the defense was bad. They couldn't get out of a lot of third downs and everything, but the offense is going to score quick, and that's just the way it's going to be with number 15 as your quarterback. So I like what they've been doing about going out and getting more depth to mix guys in because the defense was gassed in the third and fourth quarter a lot of times last year, which just made it easier for opposing offenses. Another reason why you got into all those shootouts, but they definitely see a plan here where they're not really going to like the offense is not going to be a ball control, control the clock kind of offense really ever under Mahomes. It's going to be a quick strike thing. And that's why you got to get these guys that you can rotate in there and keep the defense fresh. And you've also got guys that make statements on defense, Mm -hmm. right? Honey Badger's there. Brent Clark. Brent Clark's there. Chris Jones is there. And then you draft guys to fit your defensive scheme with guys that are similar to those people that you already have on your team. Chiefs draft Baby Badger. They go get Thornman or Thornhill (laughs) to replace, not replace, but to play alongside of Tyron Matthew. And then you get what I will call my guy, Colin Saunders, to kind of go in that rotation of Agba, Okafor, Chris Jones, those guys, because you can never have, it's like having left-handers in your bullpen. You can yeah. never have too many. Exactly. You need those guys in those type of games when they try to run the ball heavy, bust it up the middle, try to stretch it outside and really run the game out and really tire yourself. You need that much rotation. And those guys aren't going to necessarily hog a lot of downs and snap numbers, but they're going to be there as reinforcements. They're going to be there to help you out because you were so thin there last year and you've lost a couple guys from last year's team. Alan Bailey's no longer there, right? Right. So you need new guys to come in, new guys that can fit your scheme, and guys that can learn from guys that are already there that know how this works. So whereas the AFC West drafts to protect, like we said earlier, if everybody's going to try to gain a step on you, you've got to continue to take two steps. It's just the way it goes. It's like in poker. Andy Reid's biggest knock has been he gets a large chip stack, and then he plays conservative, and then he looks around the table, and everybody's chip stack's basically the same level, same amount. Now Andy Reid still has that chip stack because he's won the AFC West three years in a row. He was in the AFC, AFC Championship game, and now he's the favorite to go to the Super Bowl. So his chip stack is high. But there's still players on the table with chips, and you've got to get all of their currency off the table until they are officially gone. And that's what you've done with Breland and Matthew and Clark and the draft while everybody else is trying to patch up to you. Stay ahead. Stay in front. Don't get even. Don't try to get down there. Chargers are still the scariest team to me. Denver is still a couple years away. And Oakland, I just honestly don't know what happens when it comes to no Oakland. No clue. When it comes to the NFL draft, I don't know a lot about players because I don't dive that much into it because there's so much information out there. One guy I trust is Therese Paler. He's next. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. Joining us now on Out of Bounds is the uh, senior NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, Therese Paler. Therese, how are you during this busy weekend? I'm great, Doug. How's it going? It's going well, man. Uh, some big splashes last night for the Chiefs. As uh, I've got you on here for 
basically one sole purpose, and that's for you to tell me everything about these guys because I trust no one else's opinion <laughs> except yours right now, Therese. So well, with the first that. pick, Thanks. it would appear they tried to, uh, with the first pick of the second round for the Chiefs, it would appear it was a replacement pick slash a yeah. refill position of what was Tyreek Hill potentially. Yes, I think that's true, but I also think, it's possible that they would have taken this guy anyway just because his skill set would have fit well with what they do offensively. And remember, you need Sammy Watkins' insurance as well because he's proven to be a little injury-prone. Bottom line, guys, the offense doesn't work as well without a legitimate top-end, high-end vertical threat. And Hardman is that. I mean, just turn on the tape, go look at his highlights. He's the fastest player on the field. Always. A lot like Marquise Brown in that way. Um, the Chiefs like Marquise Brown as well. So you know, this is a guy that is going to play a role in the short passing game, running after the catch ability. You have to trust in their ability to develop his route running ability. If you can get to that point, this guy's got a chance to be a really good player who could potentially give you, I don't know, 80% of what Tyreek Hill is as a player, which is still pretty good. But that, you know what? That's just a projection. It, could, it might even be better than that. We'll see. Moving on to the next pick, as you kind of described that first one as a as a really good uh, a really good picture in the mind. You look at uh, Juan Thornhill. Yeah, um, I call him the Baby Badger. Is that a fair uh, fair nickname? I think um, Thornhill is a guy whose physicality is really impressive in this sense. You know, he's he's a super 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 athlete. Like as a tester, he he's physically an elite player as a safety. Like so among NFL safeties, he'll be one of the best at his position, okay? And then you gotta remember like as a corner, he played a little bit of that position too. So as a corner he played some of that position too. So he's got ball skills, he's got range. Didn't always flash on tape. A lot of times he did and he had ball production as well. So he's a guy that almost made my all juice team. He's a guy that I mentioned specifically could be an option for the Chiefs in the week leading up to the draft. So I'm not surprised they took him. I think he's a good player who's got a chance to really compliment Tyron Matthew well because, remember, Matthew, they're going to use him as Brian Dawkins in Steve Spagnuolo's Mm -hmm. defense. He'll line up everywhere. But what you do need is a guy that can play deep, a guy that can cover people, um, potentially be a one-high guy, and he's got the range to do it. So Thornhill's a pick I really like, and he's a player um, that's very consistent with what they like in defensive backs. Speaking of the all-juice team, talking with uh, NFL writer for Yahoo Sports, uh, Therese Paler, the guy they chose third last night, Colin Saunders, he was on that all-juice team. Yeah, and look, hey look, at, at the end of the day, when you're a reporter, you root for yourself. So I'm happy to extend the all-juice <laughs> winning streak. Every, like, since I've started doing it every year, at least one player on that team has been drafted by the Chiefs. So now it's five years in a row. And Saunders is an outstanding guy. Um, FCS player, reminds me a little bit of Steelers starter Javon Hargrave. Super athletic kid, very productive. Somebody's got a chance to generate pressure on the quarterback. And to me, you know, I, I think we know that this front could use that. Now you're talking about a front that I think, you know, it's looking pretty good. Between Frank Clark and Chris Jones, those are your elite guys. and You need to have at least two at those positions to win a Super Bowl. Now you've got some complimentary pieces. Alex Okafor, Emmanuel Ogba, Derek Nottie, and now Colin Saunders. Like, I, I, look, dude, I think that this guy's got an opportunity to be a nice rotational pass rusher. You know, now you've talked, you're talking about a defensive front that's got some depth and could potentially get after some people in the 4-3 scheme. 
Speaking of the 4-3 scream, then we'll get you back to your busy weekend that is. Um, again, appreciate the time, Therese. But what is the main the main difference when it comes to running a 3-4 defense and a 4-3 defense? Yeah, it's not as much about the scheme as it is what they like ask these guys to do. So, like, Steve Spagnuolo is going to be trying to generate pressure with four, and he wants to do that with big, strong guys that can stop the run as well. Like, that's the thing in his defense. It's all about, like, the front four of not only being able to generate pressure, but also being able to stand up physically against the run. Because they're going to run, they're going to run games, they're going to run stunts, loops, twists, that kind of thing. And if you have smaller players there, they get, it's easy for them to get washed out. You need them to be big and strong. So even if they are, like when they're running the stunts, even if they are looping, they have an opportunity to hold up in that gap, you know, potentially plug things up. That, that's why it matters. That's why the size matters for these defensive linemen. What kind of grade do you give the Chiefs for yesterday's picks? I really like these. Like, look, anytime you get an all-juice guy, that's going to help your grade. I mean, look, look a B-plus. I mean, I, I don't know what else you could ask them to do. It's a B or B-plus. Yeah, I really don't do pluses or minuses. It's a solid B. Could be an A. I mean, I I, I like what they did so far. Uh, I guess the only thing that would have been better is if they didn't have to kind of take a guy that, was, that kind of fits the profile of somebody you already had, but... Um, all things considered, I think it was a really good day. And in a vacuum, the Frank Clark trade makes him a lot better as a football team, too. Therese, we appreciate the time. Get back to doing the NFL draft and everything that goes with it. I know you're a busy man. So, again, we appreciate it today as you are on the show of Out of Bounds. And you might eventually get a banner on the show since, I mean, I don't know if this is a contract year and you say the contract year is undefeated <laughs> with writing up all juice teams, but keep doing good work, man. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Take care. That's Therese Paler of Yahoo Sports, senior NFL writer for them, 6'10 guy, our guy, Therese Paler. By the way, some Royals news. The Royals have optioned Heath Fillmeyer to Omaha and recalled Ben Lively. And Kelvin Gutierrez will make his debut tonight for the Royals at third base as the lineup is out. Whit Merrifield playing second base. Adalberto Mondesi at shortstop. Alex Gordon will play left field. Hunter Dozier will DH as he still has some back tightness. Ryan O'Hearn will play first base. Jorge Soler will play right field. Kelvin Gutierrez, third base. Martin Maldonado will catch Billy Hamilton in center field. And Jorge Lopez will be on the bump. Back to Royals uh, a little bit later, but right now as Chiefs, we heard Therese. You know, the big difference is there's not a big difference in 4-3-3-4, just size inside. That's basically how I would assume they want to run this scheme is because they're going to run, like he said, some stunts try to plug that middle because a lot of times the Chiefs would get beat late in games. It'd be like third and four, and they'd get that four-yard run up the middle, or it would be literally like first and ten, and numerous times you would see a running back run up the middle, gain four to five yards every single time on first down, and your back's against the door or your back's against the wall every time you're playing a team that can run up the middle on you. That's just the way things are. You gotta change your scheme. You got a different coordinator. You've got a coordinator now that's a little bit more spry than the last one, I would assume. I'd say so. Uh, Bob Sutton no longer here. Steve Spagnolo is here and he's got his scheme. He's got his players. And like you said, once the draft kind of completes, the season basically is starting. That's when we can accurately look at these teams and the other teams in the division and start making predictions and everything. From the eight one six, don't do the Denny voice again. We had somebody call uh two weeks ago and they were like that Denny impression was absolutely ridiculous, but I kind of enjoyed it. And then he hung up the phone. Sorry, 816. I listened to Denny, Denny Matthews my whole life. I still do. It happens. Can't even control it. Not always, but I just feel like that's what we do when the starting lineups come out. 
Royals again today. 4.30 pregame show with Cody Tapp. They play at 6.15. It is 6.10 Saturday. Mike Trout, the K. Kelvin Gutierrez makes his debut tonight at third base. No Chris Owings tonight uh, as he gets a day off. So the Royals will try a new young and up-and-comer. But the Chiefs, who are trying a new scheme and defense and something that they want to really try to take over in this world is the... I don't know. They just want to change the way that this team plays. They want to put this offense on the field that they know is dynamite, which is now lacking some depth at receiver, obviously, until further uh, until further investigations are made forward. But it sounds like, according to Clark Hunt, um, they're moving on as of right now as if Tyree Kill is not a part of this team. Because you did that, you owe everyone free ribs now. Now I know who sent that in. I don't owe anybody free ribs. Like, I don't understand that. Like, I'm not giving anybody free ribs. I can't afford free ribs. No, they definitely don't pay us enough here to buy ribs for a bunch of other people. Old friend alert, Henry Lake, literally, I had to buy ribs for because I lost bets to Henry Lake. I paid him my debts. I'm like a Lannister. I always pay my debts. That's right. I don't owe free ribs. I can't do that. Coming up, Patrick Mahomes is part of something that has a very tainted past. But he's also very confident in not being a part of that because not only has one person came out on social media about it, but Patrick Mahomes thinks he's a 100. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. From the 816. Okay, tightwad. Make Nick buy the ribs then. You think I got enough money to buy these ribs? From the 816, you are all acting like this offense is going to be the same as last year. You guys are going to be disappointed because I think this offense is going to struggle this year. I don't know if the offense will ever struggle with Patrick Mahomes. Something wrong with my chair. Anyways, I, I've never once said the offense was going to be on the same cylinders or it was going to be the same offense. No, I mean, it was the third best offense of all time. Yeah, last year's offense was an outlier. You had a quarterback throw for 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards in his first full year as a starter. Never once have I said the offense will be the same. I don't know if someone else around here has. Calm down. Hey, from the 816, I'm here for the Denny Matthews voice. You do you. There we go. Love you. Again, you can disagree with me all you want, or you can agree with me. I'm your friend. Text line 69306. Protein House, eat with a purpose text line. Patrick Mahomes has made another stride in his famous run at being the face of the NFL. Not there yet. A couple guys still in the league that have him surpassed. But he's on the cover of Madden. EA Sports. It's in the game. And the first thing you think of when you think of hearing that sound. EA Sports. It's in the game. Is one, that guy's probably smoked a lot of cigarettes and drank a lot of whiskey. Oh, yeah. One more time. EA Sports. It's in the game. Yeah, a little bit. That already sounds like the movie guy that uh, Pablo Francisco, the stand-up comedian, makes fun of. Mm -hmm. One man, one desire. In a world. Little Tortilla Boy had to sell tortilla shells on the corner with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You got to get down. I'd see that movie. But here is Mahomes on the cover of Madden. So, of course, like anybody else that sees this, I immediately got nervous. Madden curse. I was woke. We go back to 2001 when Madden really just started doing this curse thing. Eddie George. 
After he was on the cover of Madden, career high, eight fumbles the following year on 2001. 2002, Dante Culpepper, back injury, ended his season after 11 games, 14 interceptions to only 13 touchdowns. And Nick Price, how'd Marshall Falk do after he was on the cover in 2003? Well, he only played 11 games with an ankle injury, and he never rushed for over 1,000 yards in a season again. How about 2004? Uh, Michael Vick broke his leg in the final preseason game, and then that following offseason had the dogfighting incident, which we all know about. 2005? Ray Lewis, no interceptions that year after having six the year before. He didn't really have, like, a cursed year, but definitely a, a downtick. Donovan McNabb? Sports hernia, season-ending surgery. He was on the cover of 06. 2007 was Sean Alexander. Fractured his foot, missed six games. First time not rushing for over 1,000 yards. Never did it again. Sorry? He never did what again? Uh, rushed for 1,000 yards in a That's season. two running backs that have been on the cover that never ran for 1,000 yards again after they were on the cover. Vince Young. That speaks for itself. He had a terrible year and then lost his starting job. And he was buying everybody dinner at the Cheesecake Factory that mm -hmm. was in-house, which that would never happen to me because I'd never get lucky. That's where you need to go, 816, when you want ribs. Go find Vince Young. He'll buy yeah. your ribs. Oh, yeah. Not me. Moving on from Vince Young, we go to 2009. We go to... The original gunslinger, Brett Favre. Yeah, Brett Favre uh, tore his biceps tendon, missed the playoffs, and retired again. After that, it was the 2010 dual cover with Troy Polamalu and Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah, Troy Polamalu injured his MCL, missed most of the season, and Fitz actually had a really good year, but that doesn't count. Yeah, he's the ageless wonder. But Troy right. Polamalu, let's, let's stop there for a second. Let's take a breath. Yeah. Troy Polamalu was indestructible. Oh, you like couldn't best break safety him. of all time. One of them. You couldn't stop Troy Polamalu. He knew when you were going to snap the ball on third and one or fourth and goal every single time, and all you saw was this gigantic curly hair just barge over the line and stop it. It was insane. I mean, you'd get to quarterbacks before they could even hand off the ball. And then number 43 for the Steelers, who's this literally man of steel, gets on the cover of Madden and just completely wrecks his MCL. Moving on, 2011, Drew Brees. Had Surely a, he can't fall into the curse. Right, but he had a knee injury. He was playing hurt all year, and they ended up going 7-9 and missing the playoffs. <laughs> Interesting. After that is, I want to take about two minutes on this one. Yeah, this one This is the it. most absurd cover of Madden that I've ever seen, and that was Peyton Hillis. Peyton Hillis won a popular vote to be on the cover of Madden. Peyton Hillis was never heard from again. No, it's a lot like when Omar Infante was leading the all-star vote for all that time. Hashtag vote Omar. Mm -hmm. And Peyton Hillis gets on the cover as a Browns running back. He then becomes a member of the Chiefs, which, by the way, a cheat code in that was to make Peyton Hillis your fullback, oh, Jamal yeah. Charles your running back, and just run tosses. Yep. Because Peyton Hillis would just go out there and just be a modern-day John Allstott or Mike Allstott, and just completely floor the outside linebacker, and then Jamal Charles would just run away with it. Peyton Hillis, are you kidding me? And what happened to young Peyton Hillis when he won the popular vote to be on the cover of Madden? Uh, Peyton Hillis played only 10 games, battling hamstring injuries, strep throat, and sprained hip, and his career was basically over after that. Strep throat? Yeah. Motto? I don't know. You get on the cover of Madden, you start making out with everybody, and you I get strep so. throat. And that's what the fame does. It literally sidelined his season because of strep throat. Among the, other things. The next year was Megatron. For those of you that are unfamiliar with Megatron, obviously Calvin Johnson. 
Was that the year that he had the catch in the end zone and then he fumbled it against the Bears on, like, week one and they called it incomplete and they lost the game? It might have been. I mean, that's one of the biggest, like, catch rule uh, replays that we see over and over again. But Calvin Johnson actually had a really good season that year. So, so there's really, another flaw. There's yeah, another one really that's, like, an anomaly. Yeah, don't really get into it too much, but he's Calvin Johnson. I mean, he's one of the best receivers to ever play the game. And then the next year, 2014, we got Adrian Peterson. He had the child abuse charges. Not good. Not good. And then uh, 2015, Richard Sherman, Tommy yep. John surgery, missed the entire season. Dick Sherman, yeah, I remember that. In uh, 2016, we had OBJ. He was suspended for one game for an altercation with Josh Norman, but overall had a pretty good season. 2017, Gronk had back surgery, missed a lot of games, ended the season on the IR. 2018, this guy's just not cursed at all. It's Tom Brady. He's immune to that kind of stuff, I guess, and he went to the Super Bowl. Um, and then last year, Antonio Brown, 2019. You had all the drama, the falling out with the Steelers, all that kind of stuff. I would definitely say that that's curseworthy. And now we look at Patrick Mahomes in 2020. Yeah, I'm ready for it. Yeah, not to scare the crap out of everybody by reading that huge list, but the thing to take away from it, but I guess. But we essentially did. We definitely did. Yeah. But the thing to take away from it is that the truly great ones have been able to overcome it, like Brady and Megatron and Larry Fitzgerald and probably some others that I'm not Odell Beckham of. Jr. You said only got suspended one game and still yeah. had a pretty decent season. Still had a good year. And, yeah. I don't know. It's not the end of the – it's not the end of the world, but what we really need to take from this is that your quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs is the biggest thing in the biggest sport in the world right now. It's just weird to me how, like, curses aren't really affect. Like, not everybody believes in them. Just like there's baseball players that don't always jump over the chalk. Some people just walk right through it. Some guys in baseball have to do their gloves over and over again before they get in the batter's box, like no more Garcia Parra. Like, guys like uh, David Ortiz have to spit on the hand and then, like, pat it together, get in the box because they're just... Baseball guys have always been weird. But the Madden curse is pretty strange. So, like, from 2001 to 2020, which we don't know about the 2020 curse yet because it's Mahomes, and I'm not saying that there's anything that's going to happen. But the thing that's interesting about the Madden curse is that, what, only four people survived, and one of them is uh, not human and Tom Brady. Um, the other ones all kind of fell apart. Patrick Mahomes, after year one as a full-on starter, throwing 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, we all knew he was going to be on the cover of Madden. But Patrick Mahomes, like a curveball in the dirt, spit on it and said, the hell with your curse. I should be ranked 100. And I'm not sure he's wrong. I mean... Arguably, it's the third best year that anyone's ever had in the NFL at quarterback. Obviously, Manning had the best when he threw for, like, 55 touchdowns. Brady did it as well with throwing 50 touchdowns. And then Patrick Mahomes does it. At one point, Madden, Devin Hester had 100 speed. Like, his speed was ranked 100. Why can't Patrick Mahomes? Is, I mean, I don't know when the rankings come out, when it comes out with individual uh, attributes of the game. But I would assume that Patrick Mahomes' arm strength has to be 99. I would assume that his accuracy, I mean, he can throw the ball literally without looking at somebody. His accuracy's got to be pretty high up there. And Jason Ketz, who becomes the text line, says Patrick Mahomes should have 100 when it comes to arm strength. Hell, I'm almost willing to say he should have 101. Break the game. The hell with Madden's game. But Patrick Mahomes says I should be 100 overall rank. And I don't disagree with Patrick Mahomes. 
Patrick Mahomes is what you would consider a freak athlete. You've seen him play golf. You've seen him play baseball. Now you're seeing him play football, and he's the MVP of the entire league, and he's 23 years old. He even got a shout-out on Twitter from the best Madden player of all time, Michael Vick. Right. Which, by the way, that was a fun game, 04. Oh, man. Yeah. When Michael Vick had 97 speed and he had, like, 98 arm strength, but his accuracy was, like, 78. Ooh, you ooh. just call that that Hail Mary so that he can either chuck it deep or you've got, like, 30 yards of space to run with him outside of the pocket. Like literally, Unstoppable. Like, literally, when I would play 2004 Madden, my friends would say before the game started, you can't play with Michael Vick. Yeah. Because one of my buddies, I hadn't figured it out, would always play with that Tampa Bay Bucks team that had like Simeon Rice, uh, Warren Sapp, uh, Derek Brooks, John Lynch, uh, uh, Barber at corner. They were studs on defense. And all he would do is play like a cover two and spy Michael Vick. And I couldn't figure it out. And then I figured I would just run four verticals and send his linebacker with my running back. And all you need is, like, one step. So then what he would do is he would try to play with his safety, play down, and then I would just throw it deep, take control of the receiver. Anyways, nerd talk. But Patrick Mahomes isn't really that wrong or off when he says he should be a 100. Things are meant to change, just like we use the term goat too much. There's always going to be a new goat. Like, some people want to call Michael Jordan the goat. Then they want to replace it, and they want to call LeBron James the goat. Right now, people want to consider Tom Brady the GOAT. Well, what if Patrick Mahomes in 20 years is miles ahead of Tom Brady? Then he's the new GOAT. So screw it, Madden creators. Go in there, edit the game, make Pat Mahomes a 100 overall, and let's see what happens. What do you think Phil Mickelson is? Arm strength-wise, probably pretty, pretty high up there. I'd give him like an 84. Yeah, I like this from the 785. This is like the second coming of Bo Jackson's Tecmo Bowl. Yeah. Michael Vick was kind of that way. But you you remember, I don't know if you remember this with Madden, as we're getting into gaming talk here, but you remember when they started the peripheral vision? Yeah, yeah. And, like, you had to, like, get your awareness up to get your peripheral vision out. Because you would only throw an accurate pass if it was in that, like, QB window. vision. Right. Yeah. And Peyton Manning's was the entire field. Yeah. And everyone else's was, like, five yards. So you just play with Peyton Manning. Patrick Mahomes is now there. Patrick Mahomes' peripheral vision should just go through your TV screen. It should go through the sidelines. Patrick Mahomes should be a 100. Yeah, because apparently he doesn't even need to look at people to throw a pass. We saw that last year. Call, this is good, too, from the 913. GAT, generational arm talent. Solid from the six from 69306 Protein House. Eat with a purpose text line. And then, of course, Goatman chimes in. Serta's best friend says, no, period, in all caps. I am the GOAT. Goatman. He's a bad dude. Coming up, we're going to time into uh, Nashville. We're going to talk into Josh Vernier, Ron Hughley. I want to know what's going on. I want to know how weird Serta's gotten with Uber drivers. Because Vern texted something out about Serta being an Uber driver or not being an Uber driver, but talking to an Uber driver about Patrick Mahomes being the face of the franchise, and yet they didn't have a great draft, but yet we've had Therese Paler and Pete Sweeney on, and they both said that the draft is good. Steven Surt is going to get some noise from me, but coming up next, I got to go back into that iconic, and not iconic, but ironic peace sign that is Tyreek Hill. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.